Would you join me tonight in the book of Esther chapter 9? The book of Esther chapter 9. I thought last week our study of 9 was finished, but there, there was something that just kind of stuck out at me, and I need to go over it. And then, Lord willing, we'll cover the last chapter, chapter 10, three verses, the next time we meet together. And that will conclude our study of the book of Esther for this time, at least. In the book of Esther, chapter 9, I'd like to read verses 29, 30, 31, and 32. Chapter 9, verse 29, beginning with verse 29. And the word of the Lord says, Then Esther the queen, the daughter of Abihail, and Mordecai the Jew, wrote with all authority to confirm the second letter of Purim. And he sent the letters unto all the Jews to the hundred twenty and seven provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus with words of peace and truth to confirm these days of Purim and their times appointed according to Mordecai the Jew and Esther the queen had enjoyed them. And as they had decreed for themselves and for their seed the matters of fasting and their cry. And the decree of Esther confirmed these matters of Purim, and it was written in a book. Well, we have here, not only is it suggested, but we have that this, this uh, uh, letter went out, this information went out, that this is going to be, we want to do this every year. This is needful for us to remember the things. Now, there's something that stuck out of me in verse 29. In the book of Esther, the king, Ahasuerus' name is mentioned about, if I counted correctly, 28 times. And it's also mentioned later in this same chapter in verse 30. But in verse 29, we have that there are only two people that are mentioned who carry out this decree, that carry out this letter. And that is then Esther the queen and Mordecai the Jew wrote with all authority to confirm this celebration that Esther the queen and Mordecai the Jew. In that verse of scripture, it would be interesting, but it's not there, that Ahasuerus would also content to that. But he isn't mentioned, and I think it's for good reason. I think it's for good reason that we find that in that verse of scripture, when this edict went out, when this letter went out, when this went out with all authority, it reminded me a great deal of a passage of scripture in the book of Isaiah chapter 6. So would you go with me to Isaiah chapter 6? Sometimes the forest hides the tree. And here in the book of Isaiah, we find that the tree is identified. In Isaiah chapter 6, as we find in this verse in, in the book of Esther, that it's Esther and Mordecai. We get into the last verse of this chapter, it's it's Mordecai and Esther, and we get into the new chapter, verse chapter 10, and we're going to find out Mordecai is second in command. He has taken over the position of Haman, and everybody that knew Mordecai rejoiced. There was no fear when he took over that position. They were not going to have to fear for their lives. They were going to be blessed with Mordecai being there. All right, join me if you would. In the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Now much is said between Isaiah chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 6. Much is said about Israel in Isaiah chapter 1. 
from the very top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And also it tells us in there that an ox and um, uh, a donkey know their master, but Israel does not know their master. And so he's dealing with a subject that uh, it's no wonder they didn't like him very well. That's almost the same thing that Stephen brought up in the book of Acts, and they stoned him to death over things like that. Well, in Isaiah chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, we find that there was something, now it may have been to many people a great tragedy. It may have been a great time of mourning. But for Isaiah, the death of Uzziah is a mark in his life. Uzziah is taken out of the scene. Uzziah is removed. Now remember that, I, that Uzziah is a leper. And he doesn't even get to live, and we'll read that in a moment, but he doesn't even get to live in the king's house. He is relegated somewhere else. So in the year that King Uzziah died, now it's no small thing that that word K-I-N-G is in front of his name. He was the king. But in the year that he died, and he ruled for a long, long time, in the year that King Uzziah died, this is what Isaiah says. Now, he is a secretary, and God has given him a blessing in what he gets to see, and he gets to write about it, and he gets to write about it in such a manner that this is the Word of God. This is a man of God speaking as he is led by the Holy Spirit to write. In the year that King Uzziah died, there is no Ahasuerus here. In that edict that went out, it is Esther and it is Mordecai. And Ahasuerus is set aside for a moment on, for a good reason. Here we read about this. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now I'm convinced that Isaiah was very honorable to the king. I'm convinced that he did what he should do to the king. I was listening to an account last night on YouTube. Uh, forgive me if you're not a John Wayne fan. <laughs> but there was a 50th anniversary of one of his movies. And a, that movie had a bunch of teenage boys in it and 50 years later they're all assembled here on this stage and they were talking about uh, John Wayne and the authority that he carried on that set now and the honor that they gave him well here we find that this king is taken out of the scene he dies natural consequences of sin. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Now, if you drop down to verse 6, we'll come back up there. No, no, no. Verse 5, verse 5. We're going to come back up and read this whole thing. But notice in verse 5, the latter, last phrase in that verse, for mine eyes have seen the king. Now, isn't it interesting that we are introduced in this chapter in the year that King Uzziah died, and here we read in verse 5, I saw the king. And then he goes on to describe a little more about this, and when we were going through the book of Zechariah, we found out that this name is used many, many times in the book of Zechariah, and that is the Lord of hosts. I saw the king, the Lord of hosts. Now, we went a number of times over to the book of Daniel, and the description that we find Daniel giving with regard to what 
the king there had to say about the, the king of heaven. He said, he does his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say, what doest thou? Now, that's the Lord of hosts. He is in absolute control of all things. He created everything out of the dust of the ground. There in the third chapter of the book of John, Jesus mentioned to Nicodemus, are you a master of Israel and you don't know these things? And my student today said, what were those things? And I says, well, let's just go over to the book of, of Genesis chapter 1. It says in Genesis chapter 1, I think it's six or seven times, and the Lord said, and in the conclusion of that verse, it happened. That's what, that's what Nicodemus missed. He missed that God is in absolute control of all things. It says there in, in uh, chapter 3, it says, A man by the name of Nicodemus, a Pharisee. So he's very religious. He's related to Adam. And he missed everything that the Old Testament had, but probably could quote most of it. So here it says in verse 5, For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now let's back up to verse 1, because in verse 5, before he gets down to that, he tells us a whole lot about his position before God. Woe is me. In verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, it is, to me it is no wonder that we don't find King Ahasuerus' name mentioned when that last letter goes out. It's for the Jews, and it's for their celebration, and it's for their remembrance. And if those folks truly, when that said, many of the folks became Jews and they celebrated and they understood what it was about, we say hallelujah. God bless anybody that will bow to this king. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Well, we're thankful that, that he's always been there. He is the king on a throne. He's always been king of kings and lord of lords. And it said it was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now, much of this is a vision that God gave him. He saw things that most people didn't know. Most people would recognize it as, a, as thunder. Uh, they'd uh, recognize it as really beautiful colored sky. But behind that, Isaiah was given permission by Almighty God to see God. To see who truly was the king of Israel. To see who truly was the king of all peoples. And here he said, above it stood the seraphims. Now, angelic beings and their whole business. You know, we think, well, look at that. They've got uh, that angelic personality and their, pers their being and they're glorious. We have to look at what they're doing. That's what we want to look at. It says, and above it stood seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he did fly. And one cried unto another. Now this, they may not get to see it. They cover their feet, they cover their face, and with two they did fly. It's a picture, it's a shadow, it's a beautiful statement about what Isaiah saw. But the most important thing was not the angelic being, it's what they cried. Now, 
This is the law being declared. God is holy, holy, holy. He will not take any of our trappings. He will not take any of our righteousness. He will not take any of our works. He alone is holy. And no one is capable of keeping the Ten Commandments for one day, one minute. So he could, he did. One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is full of his glory. Can you just grasp this for a moment? That this is what Isaiah got to see by permission from Almighty God when the natural king was taken out of his vision. This is the king that we want to worship. This is the king. And it's no wonder there in verse 29 of Esther chapter 9 that Ahasuerus has nothing to do with this. The world has nothing to do with this. This is dedicated to the church. This is their vision. This is what they get to see. And then it says here that there was such an aura about this whole scene that the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. You know, we go over to the tabernacle and we go over to the tabernacle and then the temple. There was a scene much like this when the glory of the Lord came down and entered the tabernacle. It was a thick smoke that filled it. And when the temple was completed, we find the visitation of a a vision or God in his uh, ability to do that sort of thing is there. Well, this is the whole house is filled with what? This smoke, that's, let's just say his whole house is filled with his glory. The whole house is filled with his holiness. The whole house is filled with his salvation. There's no room for anything else whatsoever. Nothing. There is not a trapping that we have that can go into this place and do any honor to God because he's already filled it with his great person and personality. And then said I, this is Isaiah speaking after he'd seen the Lord, you know, we don't have to make ourselves humble. God's going to do that for us. God will give us humility. And it's not something that we go around and bragging about. It's something we thank God for. I get to see the Lord, and I get to feel my position before Him, and you know what? Left to myself, it is woe is me. Paul brings that up there in the book of Acts chapter 7. And I know many people say that that's when he was a lost man. Lost man never feels that way. Never brought to that position. Nobody is ever brought to this, that, uh, this kind of position that, that Paul was brought to there in the seventh chapter. He just, oh, I'm an undone man. Well, that's exactly what, what uh, Isaiah says. Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. You know, I follow Nicodemus later in the scriptures, later in the New Testament. And I think he understood what Isaiah is talking about here. He got to visit and never got to see him. He didn't see Jesus and Jesus. But later it appears that he knew something. And he would be able to say this. He wouldn't come as a proud Pharisee anymore. He came as a woe is me 
but I'm thankful for what he's done because I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me having a live coal in his hand. Now it wasn't actually a live coal. We have, this is the gospel. I'm, this is the gospel, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar and laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Can't get any better than that. Can't be any better than that. The king, little K, is taken off the scene and the big king reveals himself to Isaiah the prophet and said, this has taken care of thine iniquity and the sin that you have is purged. Now, that means it's taken away and it's paid for. It doesn't mean he never sinned again in his life. And at that moment, we have the call of Isaiah to the gospel ministry. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. And then we know the rest of the story. You're going to go preach and they're not going to believe you. And then he writes in the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. He understood that he couldn't cram this down mouths. This was going to have to be a declaration of the Lord of hosts, his glory, his honor, his holiness, and then God would do with it as he saw fit. Now, join me, if you would, over in the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles. In 2 Chronicles, we read the account of Uzziah, Uzziah the king. In 2 Chronicles chapter 26, this is the man that's taken off, out of the scene. And this we have record of given to us that it was in that year that God let Isaiah see things he'd never seen before. He got to see the Lord of glory. He saw the Lord of hosts. He saw the one who these uh, angelic beings cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In verse 21, it tells us Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death and dwelt in a several house being a leper. He didn't get to stay in the king's house. He was removed from the king's house for he was cut off from the house of the Lord and Jothan his son was over the king's house judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah first and last did Isaiah the prophet the son of Amos write. So Uzziah slept with his fathers and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial which belongeth to the kings. And they said, He is a leper, and Jothan his son reigned in his stead. So we have the condition of Uzziah. You know what? Isaiah got to know about his own leprosy. I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. He got to realize his own condition before God. And so it is so great that God would allow him to see. He would allow him to see God. He would allow him to see the Lord of hosts. He would allow him to see the one that they cried, Holy, holy, holy unto him. 
In the book of John chapter 12, the Lord brings up this subject that Isaiah was speaking about, the, what he got to see. In John chapter 12, John chapter 12, this very thing is brought up. John chapter 12, and I want to read verse 41, but then we're going to read part uh, a little bit more of this. But I want to go over here to John chapter 12 and verse 41. When this is recorded, this is what Isaiah, the things, these things said Isaiah, verse 41, when he saw his glory and spake of him. Now, I want to know what he saw, didn't you? Wouldn't you like to know? Well, let's just back up here a little bit. And the Lord shares this with us. It tells us in John chapter 12, verse 36, While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be children of the light. These things spake Jesus, and departed, and hid himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So two things about Isaiah at least are mentioned in these words that the Lord shares with us concerning Isaiah here in the book of John. Therefore, they could not believe because that Isaiah said again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. What does he say to us in this? He said, the arm of the Lord is a mystery. Who has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It is a mystery without the revelation. And it tells us there in verse 40, He hath blinded. Who did this? The Lord hath done this. This is the fulfillment of the words of the prophet Isaiah by the Spirit of God. He hath blinded their eyes, Isaiah said, and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. I told my student today, don't ever argue with God. You may not understand it, and you may not find it hard, but don't dare argue with him. Don't say, God, my God would never do this. Well, in honesty, that's true. Their God will not do this. But the God of heaven has done this, and he has a prophet to prove it. Verse 42, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. What is the most important thing to them? They're permitted to stay in the synagogue. I've been asked several times recently, does the, these people in this particular group of people, uh, can God save them? I says, absolutely, he can save them. Well, I believe that some of them that stayed in there are still saved. And I says, no, that's not true. You cannot deny the gospel and you cannot deny Christ where you are. And so these people, they said they were believers, but they, the most important thing was their status in the synagogue. And it doesn't take long for people to share with us the most important thing that they believe. 
because if it gets crossways with them, they're going to let you know that this is the most important thing. Now, that's important, but the most important thing is I get to stay in my synagogue. You know, that man that was born blind and God, or the Lord healed him, he didn't care about the synagogue after that. It was the last thing on his mind. He'd been kicked out. He didn't want to go back. And so, as we find the Apostle Paul, he was kicked out of the synagogue. He was kicked out of the temple. He was kicked out, and it didn't bother him any because he had much greater position in Christ than he ever had in the synagogue or anywhere else he went. So, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. What does it say in here about Isaiah? He saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and holy, holy, holy. And what was the next thing? Who is this revealed to? And God has the right to Israel. He has the right to Israel. He has the right to anybody to keep them hidden. Now, he keeps us hidden until he's pleased to reveal. Now, if he never un unbridles us, if he never lets us go, if he never takes back his hardening, if he never does that, he's still right. He's still God. He still is the God of heaven. And let's not argue with that. All right. So uh, the Lord's glory is figured in his mercy and his salvation and the highest form of God's glory. His salvation is his highest form of his glory. What did God do for Isaiah? Well, we have the picture of one of those angelic beings going over and on the altar taking a coal of fire and putting it on his lips and saying, now you're purged from your sin. <laughs> now, well, that fire didn't do it. The blood of Christ did that. So we have what glorious statement. So Ahasuerus removed for just a short time off the scene so that we might say, Ruth and Mordecai did this for the Jews and only for the Jews. Mordecai and Esther were used for this great glorious statement about where do we rejoice? We rejoice in God delivering us. All right, join me if you would in the book of Isaiah once again. Our deliverance and our hope and our redemption and our sanctification and our righteousness and our wisdom is not in Egypt. Mordecai and Esther's deliverance was not in the Persian Empire. They were used in the Persian Empire to deliver God's people, but their deliverance was not Ahasuerus, and their deliverance was not in the Persian Empire. Our deliverance is from God. God alone is our deliverance, and He is the Holy One, and we have every benefit and everything from Him. We can have no king but Christ. Turn with me, to, I, I mentioned over there, the book of Isaiah chapter 31. Isaiah chapter 31, once again, this man who said, I am undone, I am unworthy, woe is me, I am undone. Here he is permitted to write this wonderful message that says so much uh, to us and to anybody. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. Woe to them 
that go down to Egypt for help. Now, he's not talking about anybody going down to literal Egypt. You know, Egypt grew a lot of grain. <laughs> and that was why it was so important during the Roman Empire. They needed the grain. Well, it doesn't mean going down to Egypt that way. It's going down to a place that is without help, without God, all of those other things to get some help. Don't Woe to them that go down to Egypt and stay on horses. Trust in chariots. What's all that mean? Trust in anything else but Christ. Trust in any deliverance but Christ. You know, there was a king in a chariot that thought he was safe. And the Bible simply says, a man took a venture with a bow and caught him between the greaves. Only one place that he had an Achilles heel, and that's where the arrow went. And he died, just like God said he would. He went in his chariot for safety. He, he took off from the battle. All right, trust in church because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise and will bring evil and will not call back his words, but will arise against the house of evildoers and against the help of them that work iniquity. Now, the Egyptians are men, not God, and their horses flesh, not spirit. They that are born of the flesh are flesh, and they that are born of the spirit are spirit. When the Lord shall stretch out his hand, both he that helpeth shall fall, and he that is hoping shall fall down, and they all shall fail together. For thus saith the Lord, for thus hath the Lord spoken unto me, like as the lion and the young lion roaring on his prey, when a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor abase himself for the noise of them. So shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. It doesn't matter the odds. He will come down and fight for Mount Zion. All right. Turn with me, if you would, as we think about this and the truth. It's not poetry. It is truth. Romans chapter 9. My Lord and my God identified a lot about... Uh, not Stephen, Thomas. You know, after that, I wonder how many people says, well, you know, uh, I sure was praying for him that he doesn't miss any more church services. And they hear him say, my Lord and my God. Now, he had a grasp of things. He knew something about this Lord Jesus Christ. All right, in the book of Romans, chapter 13. The book of Romans, chapter 13. Excuse me, ver chapter 9, verse 13. Romans chapter 9, verse 13. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? No. There's no unrighteousness with God.
was looking at uh, forbid. It's it has a it has a different meaning than we have right here, but it's no no way. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now that just takes me right back to Isaiah chapter 6, and it takes me right back to Esther chapter 9 verse 29. The king is left out. Ahasuerus is not mentioned. It is Ruth and Mordecai, the Jew. And the letter goes to the Jews. It is for the Jews. It's for their blessing. It's for their remembrance. And then we go on here. I will have mercy. Verse 15, for he saith to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. You know, he said that about Pharaoh. He could say that about every believer too. For this purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in you. Now, he did demonstrate that to, to Pharaoh and find out he was taken out in the Red Sea, drowned. He was raised up for a purpose. Therefore, verse 18, he have mercy on whom he will have mercy, on whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God, shall the thing formed say unto him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? So we find as Queen Esther and Mordecai sent out with authority. Let's go back there to the book of uh, Esther for just a moment in conclusion. The book of Esther chapter 9 there in verse 29, they wrote with all authority. Nothing said about, Ahas or about Mordecai, nothing is said about Ahasuerus. They have this given to them by Almighty God, and they wrote this to confirm the second letter of Purim. They've already sent one out, and it says, let's do this. They send this one out and says, we will do this. We will celebrate. And he sent the letters unto all the Jews in every province, 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus. And the letter went to the Jews in the kingdom of Ahasuerus with the words of peace and truth to confirm these days of Purim in their times appointed according as Mordecai the Jew and Esther the queen had enjoined them, as they had decreed for themselves and for their seed the matters of fasting and their cry. And decree of Esther confirmed these matters, and Purim, and it was written in the book. Ahasuerus is missing for good reason. In the year that King Uzziah died, 
I saw the Lord. The Lord's going to take out everything that we hold as important and reveal to us the glory of His dear Son, Jesus Christ. And we too, at the drop of the hat, without thinking about it, my Lord and my God.